This is the Education Gadfly Show. I'm trying to bond here as a dad to dad here. I mean, yeah, should, no. should we be turning this music off? It's it's the devil's music. What does Gadfly say? Hello, this is your host, Mike Petrilli of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute here at the Education Gadfly Show and online at edexcellence.net. And now welcome our special guest for the week, the Ed Sharon of Education Reform, Gerard Robinson. Glad to be here. All right. And also joining us, Alyssa Schwenk. Hey, did you know who Ed Sheeran was I before do. five He's, minutes yes, ago? Yes, okay, I, I know checking. his song. What is it? It's it's like, it's kind of, I mean, it's, it's a, you know. Keep describing it. Uh, <laughs> let me just say that when, when my little boys are like singing along to it, I'm a little bit embarrassed because it's it's kind of a, a little bit of a sexual song. And uh, anyways, yes, I remember seeing him on Saturday Night Live. What, what's the title, Andrew, of that song that I'm thinking about? That uh, Is he thinking about thinking out loud or is he thinking of... Well, uh, yeah, the Irish one. Uh, I think oh. you're thinking of thinking out loud. I hope you're not thinking about don't. And that's about as pop culture as I'm going to get to. All right. Maybe I'm thinking the wrong guy. I don't know. Uh, it's like no it's like guy who's like, I like to fun. dance. I like to meet women. I go to the dance. I go to the club and I blah, blah. No, that's, this is not. <laughs> you know, I've been listening. Uh, it, yeah, that's most music, Mike. Okay. Just FYI. Anyway. Anyways, it is a thing. Where did you ever have this? But so you know, I've got seven and nine year old boys. I forget how old are your kids? Six, nine, yeah. twenty four. <laughs> so we'll talk about the yeah. young ones at all home. Right, all right. <laughs> talk about the young ones. Girls, boys, all girls, all girls. Now, now, do they like pop music? Do you, yep. do you listen in the car? And and so when these kinds of songs come on and they they sort of are sing along to them, but they don't really know what the what the lyrics are about. Does this make you feel uncomfortable? I'm trying to bond here as a dad to dad here. I mean, yeah, should, no. should we be turning this music off? It's it's the devil's music. Well, I wouldn't go that far, although, you know, <laughs> devil's music, I don't know. That was what they said in the 50s about uh, the bringing of rhythm and blues yes, exactly. to uh, to certain areas of the country. But what I will say is, if I know in advance, because I know the song, yeah. I just change the statement. Yeah, that's, so, yeah. That's, so far, that's, I've had that's no embarrassing work. moments. That's good work. I like that. Uh, Gerard is the resident fellow at the American Enterprise Institute, formerly Commissioner of Education in Florida and Virginia. Where it's it is really you. hot right now. It is hot. You're coming up politically and otherwise. And yeah, that's right. Mm. You got a big election coming up. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we are going to talk about all kinds of things happening in education reform. Uh, things are, I think things are busy. It's the summer. Things do not slow down. Yeah. And you know, I keep thinking, you know, maybe it's July. People are on vacation. Yeah. Everyone might calm down a little. No, Although, you know what? Temperatures. I, I, I predict 12 months from now, it's going to be totally sleepy. Totally sleepy. You know, this first wave of stuff that happens when a new administration comes in, ESSA, all that's going to be behind us. And uh, I think education policy here and in the States is going to be pretty sleepy. Mark my words. Because I've been right about every prediction I've made in the last few years. This is Particularly the about Trump. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, <laughs> I nailed that one. Him. <laughs> this is where you bet $5 and like earmark this podcast in your email inbox. All right. Let's do Ed Reform Update. All right, Gerard, big news this week, uh, among others, is that the House, this is the House of Representatives controlled by Republicans, very conservative Republicans, completely ignored Donald Trump's uh, education budget when it came to school choice. You were part of the Trump transition team. Discuss. Uh, my, my own view, by the way, is that they got rolled. That would be the Trump team on school choice. Uh, you think that's a little harsh. Uh, what, what's the meaning of this? Uh, why, why, why aren't the House Republicans showing some love for school choice? So no doesn't mean never, just not now. Mm-hmm. So there are two things I take into consideration. Uh, number one, you have a new president 
who campaigns one guy and now he's got to govern as another guy. And <laughs> he looks like the same guy to me, but okay, he's go ahead. He's a little differently. And so you've got a secretary of education. And so, yes, we would have liked to have seen his, uh, you know, billion and the additional increase for charter schools actually included, but the House said no, particularly on the voucher side. Now, here's what I take into play. Lamar Alexander, when he was um, secretary of education, tried to push for this. Yep. He tried to push for it in ESSA and yep. couldn't get any love. So the idea that Republicans aren't giving Trump love, the reality is they haven't given love to private school choice in a long time. All right. So Trump shouldn't take it personally. No. He takes most things personally. This is just part of the process. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, but that's fair. That, that, I mean, many of us have been saying this, that the Congress has never been in favor of uh, private school choice, except in the District of Columbia, uh, you know, where there's a particular federal role that, uh, you know, is, is different perhaps than the federal role for the rest of the country, that for the education policy writ large, conservative Republicans are much more in favor of devolving power to the states mm -hmm. than in pushing even their very favorite reforms, which happen to be school choice. And what's interesting is the fissure in the party between conservative and Republicans always been there. Yeah. But this mm -hmm. issue is really bringing it to light. So mm -hmm. there are in fact Republicans who would like to see a billion or half a billion invested and you have others who do not yeah. so it's definitely not a party or all one size fits all it's really just the fissure um becoming wider so the big the big play many of us expect is what happens with tax reform right that okay that had the health care bill has collapsed now they're on mm -hmm. to tax reform and the big question is whether the administration's proposal which we think is going to be the same as the house and senate proposal they're all working together on on this one this time whether that initial bid is going to include a big tax credit scholarship program. You know, a lot of, Trump talked about $20 billion on the campaign trail. That's certainly what a lot of advocates would like to see, is a big federal tax credit scholarship program to the tune of $20 billion. We've had, I don't know, about eight events on this, right, Alyssa? And, Something uh, to that. Written 143 yeah. articles about the issue. Also pretty much accurate. Uh, so, Gerard, <laughs> what, what's your, will you be surprised if that is not a part of this tax reform plan? I won't be surprised, and here's why. When he ran for office, he had mentioned the $20 billion. And when you listen to political rhetoric, particularly during the, uh, the hot season uh, right before the election, you see a lot of things that you know will be tamed once you actually get into office. In other now, words, you're saying the politicians lie. No, I'm saying that politicians run one way and govern another. All right, all right. right. <laughs> you so, are, you've, been, you've done media training, haven't you, Gerard? <laughs> Come on. Thank you, Rob Inlow, for your media Man. training at that show. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't. Yeah. Take and away so, his talking points, Alyssa. And so <laughs> what will happen is whether it's $20 billion or $1 billion, you know, we'll happen to see. There mm -hmm. are a lot of people who supported Trump. Oh, you um, think there, but you think there could be a billion. You think that there could still, I mean... So I think there could be a billion of something. Now, whether it's in year one or whether the 20 mm -hmm. billion is stretched out over eight years, because I think okay. he'll be reelected. So we have eight. For those who say that maybe it's only four, then maybe that 20 or so is uh, stretched out over four. Sorry, I just fell off my chair when you said that thing about him getting reelected. <laughs> yeah. I'm back now. I'm back. Okay. All right. So, All right. No, that's fair. I that could also see the 20 billion being. Um, some algebra and not just straightforward addition where it's, you know, some federal investment, but, you know, it's matched by, it's a tax deduction. So it's matched by the private dollars and you're or comes find from the private dollars. People, and that's, that's a very good point about the private yeah. part as well. Um, I'm on the board of the largest tax credit program in the state of Georgia. Mm -hmm. It's called Gold Scholarship. And we've invested $93 million since 2008 in scholarships, mm -hmm. mostly to families who make less than 35000 But guess mm -hmm. what? We also give scholarships to families mm -hmm. who make over 100000 They've yep. got four kids. Guess what? They're not on the lifestyle of the rich and famous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's a role for them. So you're going to find more Republicans and Democrats who already have this in their state. 
yeah. making a push that if you're going to do tax reform and choice, let's go this route. It's safer for some of the conservatives who don't like the federal mm-hmm. government component. It's going to give a pat to the back to the Republicans who actually think the federal government should have a role. And frankly, you're going to have people who say, I hate choice, except when they realize they get a tax deduction in their own pocket. No, that's that, uh, all that's fair. I, math. But but look, I, I reading the tea leaves here, uh, including some some signs coming out of the White House, is that uh, I just don't know if the folks writing the tax reform bill are going to be convinced that they want to include this. That uh, you know, this is folks like what Gary Cohn, the Council mm-hmm. of Economic Advisors, mm-hmm. Mnuchin, and Treasury Secretary uh, in the Congress. It's it's Paul Ryan, it's Mitch McConnell, and it's the heads of the finance committees, House and Senate, you know, none of those people are uh, explicitly uh, school choice, you know, people. wake up every day thinking about this. Paul Ryan maybe more than most of them. And, you know, look, they, they want a tax. They, they cannot have another failure, right? They cannot. This tax reform bill has got to pass. Uh, and so why add something like a voucher, which is basically is, let's be honest, uh, that's going to lose you votes. I mean, that, that's just going to give Republicans an excuse not to vote for it. I just can't imagine. Maybe they, they include it in the first round as a way to make us private school choice people happy, uh, but it, it gets dropped, you know, about a nanosecond later. Well, there is a distinction between a voucher and a tax credit uh, and a tax deduction. So, blah, blah. you know, for the same reason we wouldn't call affirmative action a quota. Yeah, mm-hmm. I wouldn't call a voucher a tax credit. So there's a difference with a distinction. What I will say is they may decide to do an experiment because you at least have 20 states mm-hmm. with a tax credit program. Yeah. They may say, tell you what, we're not going to give you 20 billion, but two states said they're willing to serve as an experiment. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we will add in a DC voucher type program, yeah. but use it in the states where it exists. And then we'll pilot it for mm-hmm. a couple of years. Yep. No, that'd be interesting. I don't know if you mm-hmm. can manage that through a tax Bill. I mean, that's the trick. They're writing a tax bill and they, you know, that that's the, you know, that's the limitation they've got. And look, you just look at, you know, how many of these Republican, you're going to get the the Republican from West Virginia. You're going to get Susan Collins from Maine. You're going to get Murkowski from Alaska. These people are going to vote for something that the the unions are going to brand as a school voucher. I don't know. Just seems highly unlikely. And the states you mentioned are states that don't have very strong tax credit Mm -hmm. programs in place or tax deductions. But I can see a place like Georgia or Mm -hmm. Florida. Yeah. Or Arizona. Yeah. You mean yeah. red states. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yep. But uh, but again, how do you get that passed? Yeah. And I think at least on Senate side, the leadership uh, that would be involved, they don't have strong tax credit programs in their states, if I'm thinking through properly. Oh, like, you mean people like Mitch McConnell? McConnell, Grassley, stuff like that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We will see uh, what comes out. This will be interesting. And uh, and again, we, we put a friendly bet on this, Gerard. You know, I'd be willing to bet five bucks that there is no school choice proposal in the tax reform bill that is dropped. I'll do five bucks that it'll be an experiment. All right. All right. We're shaking. We're shaking. we're shaking. we're shaking. I will hold you both right. to this. Excellent. And, and one of the other rest, interesting thing to add on board is one of the reasons the tax credit um, idea is so tough for us to wrap our hands around is because most people in the school choice movement for the last 20 years have really either been charter school or voucher. Very few of us have actually gotten to the the nitty-gritty of tax credits Mm -hmm. and what Mm -hmm. they really mean. So even from an advocacy standpoint, we lack either the nomenclature or the practical experience to show Congress how to do it. Mm -hmm. We did it for vouchers. We did it for charters. So I think some of the hesitation you see is simply Mm -hmm. that from an advocacy standpoint, Mm -hmm. we're coming up to speed on what tax codes mean very different than education codes. You were quite the trendsetter there then. (laughs) <laughs> all right, great. Gerard, thanks so much for joining us. Hope you'll come back. I will be back. Catch nah. my five bucks. All right. <laughs> we shall see. Now it's time for everyone's favorite Amber's Research Minute.
David Griffith, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Mike. Hi, Amber. Oh, Amber is yeah. away. She's in some uh, undisclosed location in a in a jungle or something. Yes, yeah, she is in Brazil. Well, now it's not undisclosed anymore. Well, it's a big country. There are lots That's of true. places in Brazil. But yeah, it's a heavy vacation month for Fordham. We'll just uh, put that out there. Yeah, well, it's the summer. It's, yeah. what, it's what people do. David, hey. just fresh back from vacation himself in Colorado. Yep. I understand yep. you were with something like 54 Griffiths? Uh, 57, yep. And you should be duly terrified of that. But <laughs> there were talent shows. Did, did I'm the, just putting uh, that out there. There was the a talent reunion? show. There, did, was, there was an eating contest, <laughs> uh, I which I participated it. in. Did the Griffiths uh, go uh, across the country in, in a wagon train at one point in history? <sighs> the Griffiths at one point came from Wales to the U.S. Um, in a boat. Mm-hmm. And the man who did that was named Griffith Griffiths. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. That's actually that better than my family's amazing. origin story, which also starts in Wales on a boat. That's so yeah. cool. Griffith Griffiths. Wow. Yep. Why did his parents not remember the name? I don't know. I Was he like it. child right, number they eleven and they um, <laughs> It's a good one. Maybe you've used that. <laughs> they just before. okay. So, David, uh, what do you have for us this week? Okay, I have a study called "Supplying Choice: An Analysis of School Particip- Participation in Voucher Programs in DC, Indiana, and Louisiana." It's from Sude DeAngelis and Wolf, all researchers at the University of Arkansas, okay. and uh, it's what it sounds like. They are trying to figure out uh, why some schools participate in voucher programs, private schools that yep. is, and some don't. So they look at these three places: uh, DC. Indiana and Louisiana and try to sort it out. Wait, wait, wait. Didn't we yes. do this study like four years ago? We did the study four years ago. Well, we did, no, we did a survey four okay. years ago. Right. Uh, and there have been other surveys as well asking private school principals why they did or did not participate, that sort of thing. This is different. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So they're they're trying to estimate it like empirically based on what they actually see as opposed to what people say. Right. Okay. Um, and I like that. You want to look at actual behavior. That's that's yeah. better. And and it's an interesting study. Um so essentially let me start with like their hypotheses, which I think are a good way to frame it. So they they hypothesize that schools with higher quality will be less likely to participate, and they use three proxies for quality tuition. Mm-hmm. So the idea that schools that are that charge more are probably better. <laughs> okay, that's kind of um, funny coming uh, from uh, from education reformers. At, yes, I know. So, right, yeah. Okay, so there's probably all something right, let's to te- that. Let's tease Pat Wolf on that one. We'll okay. get back to that one. Yeah. 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 Um, all, right. all right. Enrollment, which I think is pretty valid. So sort of controlling for you know school yeah. size and things, right? Like, is the school under enrolled? Percentage enrolled. Yeah. They are. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then grade schools reviews, okay. um, which. Okay, huh. we can debate that one. Like, yeah. yeah, I'd rather have a high review score than a low score on great sc- schools. That's, that's not crazy. All right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so I think, I mean, I think the main reason for this is just that, yeah, it's, they don't have comparable, other comparable measures across Hey, we states. trust Trivago, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and not just because of the Trivago guy. And, I don't know who Trivago is. Do you not watch television? <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. all right. Leave that aside. Okay. So uh, the the, really? the, res- the results of the right. hotels. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the results. I watched Hulu. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, David. Generational we'll thing. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> the research ten minutes continues. Shortly. All right. Yeah, you have, uh, so they find that across all three programs, um, that the relationship between the level of tuition required of private schools and the decision to participate in a voucher program is negative. So, in other words, schools yep. that charge more are less likely to participate. Okay. Um. When it comes to enrollment, this is kind of interesting, uh, they find that the relationship varies. So higher enrollment private schools are much less likely in participating in the school choice program in Louisiana than in Indiana or D.C. Mm -hmm. Pause, sub-question for clarification. 
Does the enrollment number come before or after they start participating in the voucher program? I assume it comes from before. Okay. Yeah. And and this is a percentage. This is not just size. This is actually some kind of they can reporting. See 80, of, they have 78. Films. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to have to go back to it, but yes. Okay. It's not like just how big the school right. is. Yeah. All right. Um, and then great schools, they found sort of a statistically insignificant negative relationship. They hypothesize that that's because there just isn't enough distribution of great school yeah. scores. Yeah. So okay. they're all rated like four stars out of five. <laughs> Shocker. We're, we're close to that. Yeah. But what we know for sure is that expensive private schools are less likely to participate. Yes. Which is like a big duh. Yes. Uh, but still helpful. And, and, and in Louisiana, it seems like the ones with low enrollment were more likely to participate. Right. So more desperate for kids and money. Right. And I so I should should have said the overall participation rates in these places are sort of interesting and different. So in DC, 78% of private schools participate. Yep. Uh, in Indiana, it's 70%. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Louisiana, it's 33%. So yep. right off the bat, that yep. would sort of make you think that maybe whatever Louisiana is doing isn't ideal. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, and then the other kind of interesting findings which relate to their um, to their hypotheses, they hypothesize that uh, Catholic schools will be more likely to participate. Yeah. Um, and in fact, they find that, uh, but they only find that for Indiana and Louisiana. Wait, why? Um, why is that the hypothesis? So, so I think mostly because uh, they, you know, there's sort of a sense of mission. Okay. Um, yeah. and, and, the, and that we, many of us, I would say, my hypothesis is because those schools we know are desperate to stay open. I mean, they, mm-hmm. we've had got this long-term trend of Catholic school closures and, okay. and there's been long talk of vouchers as being one way to save these Catholic schools. Yeah. And, and so, but they're, but they're not more likely to participate in DC. And actually one interesting point that they make about that is that, um, Catholic schools don't have like sort um, they don't have any certification requirements for teachers. Yeah. Um, and so DC is the only program that actually has certification requirements related to, uh, the voucher teachers to, related to teachers. Yeah. Okay. Or it's voucher program. Hmm. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Well, it's also the case that the inner city Catholic schools in D.C. became charter schools a few years ago. You know, Mike, I'm beginning to think you and I are the reason that the research minute is now like 10 minutes and not it, just a minute. True, but I, I think that's important. Context. I think that is important. Context. It's my show. <laughs> All right. The last finding that, that I was able to pull out is private schools with a higher proportion of minority students are more likely to participate in the Louisiana program. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not a significant effect in the other two programs. So the authors try to roll this up um, into this sort of general statement, policymakers should be cautious about the consequences of attempting to control quality of schools within a voucher program. I'm not ready to go that far. Right. Um, So because, so their argument is what? That Louisiana has more regulations. Yeah. They are calling quality control regulations. Right. So, so, so they, they have like this sort of index of regulatory burden. Um, mm-hmm. And they argue that uh, actually that Indiana has the lowest regulatory burden yep. and that DC mm-hmm. and Louisiana are higher. Um, based on the results, I would say it seems like Louisiana certainly is higher and yep. it's less clear when it comes to DC. Yeah. Um, the regulatory no, burden. But, is but so this is interesting. I would argue that you say, all right, what makes DC and Louisiana different? Uh, one argument is, well, in Louisiana, that the schools have to participate in the accountability system. That's the argument that these guys make. My argument is that what makes them different is that in D.C., you can continue to use selective admissions in private schools. In Louisiana, you can't. So now you're a private school in Louisiana, especially a you know fully enrolled, expensive private school, uh, mostly serving affluent white kids. And now here comes this program where the only way you participate is if you take much less money than you're actually spending. And the kids in this program who are more likely to be poor and minority 
uh, get in regardless of whether they meet the admissions requirements. Right. And you're trying to tell me, uh, Pat Wolf, et cetera, that you think it's really uh, because we're making them take a test that these schools aren't participating. I, I don't know. I just think that that, that, that to me strains uh, credulity. That's important context, I think, certainly. Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree. I mean, I, and it's a little frustrating for me because um, I'm with them on some of these things, right? Like, I think that uh, the evidence that sort of more expensive schools don't participate. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's pretty clear. And I think mm-hmm. there's a pretty strong argument for allowing schools to charge voucher participants additional money. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so to me, you know, if you're concerned about equity, the, the answer is to give more money to poor parents, right? Or kids, yeah. poor kids, not to say, uh, you know, schools, you can only charge them the amount of the voucher um, because then that really does discourage schools from, you know, from accepting kids, mm-hmm. right? That aren't going to be able to, you know, if, if mm-hmm. their cost of their education is more than that. Um, and I also think, you know, there's an argument against these teacher certification requirements, right, in D.C. Yeah. Um, and I think, I don't know, there's sort of suggestive evidence that that's discouraging Catholic schools from participating. But your main point I agree with, which is, you know, there are numerous differences between these different programs. Yeah. Um, and so you can't really say which of them are most important and I, I don't like the idea that we're rolling all regulations into one big ball. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. and look, obviously. In three very different jurisdictions. I mean, we, you know, our bias, we've long been you yeah. know, one of the few pro-school yeah. choice groups that's been in favor of testing and accountability for private school choice. Right. Uh, so, yes, I, I, I am, have that bias coming in. And I, so, I, you know, but uh, there's also, when we did our surveys way mm-hmm. back when, and we asked private schools what they were most worried about, some did mention testing and accountability, but much higher was their religious mission, mm-hmm. so they mm-hmm. don't want anything that's going to get them from being able to be religious schools. And number two was selective admissions. These are private schools, right? They, mm-hmm. I mean, the nature of many of these schools is that you've, you know, you've got to be able to hang with your peers in terms of where you're at academically. Uh, and they are tough schools to get into. And yeah. to mm-hmm. say to those private schools, well, now you've got to be open to everybody, regardless, even if they're four years behind, Again, I, I understand people who don't like vouchers, who, mm-hmm. who don't like vouchers for that reason. They think mm-hmm. that pri- they don't like the idea of private schools or selective schools. But you're basically asking the schools to completely change their mission, change everything about themselves. That's pretty hard. That to is a behaviors. much bigger change than saying, "Hey, once one day in in the spring, you got to have kids take a test, and you got to let those results be reported." Yeah, well, and I would just say, like, look, we've got a 78 percent participation rate in DC and a 70 percent participation rate in Indiana. Is that so bad? I don't know. Right? I mean, yeah, that no, that's pretty good. It's like a reasonable yeah. participation. And by rate. the way, in Indiana, they're in the state accountability system. Right. Mm-hmm. Now right. that happened before the voucher program. It has to do with participating in sports, all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, anyway, hey, good data, but we got to be very cautious about the conclusions that they're drawing. Yep. All right. See, all see right. David, I've been telling you, we could have said that in just a minute. I don't know why I had this drawn out. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> next time, David, keep it short. I got into the please. methodology. Yeah, and... yeah. It's always a mistake in the research minute. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. All right. That is all the time we've got. Yep. Thanks to me and listen. <laughs> Until next week. I'm Melissa Schwenk. And I'm Mike Petrilli of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute, signing off. The Education Gadfly Show is a production of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute, located in Washington, D.C. For more information, visit us online at ed excellence.net.